Um, friends, it's my real privilege to, as we transition to the Word tonight, to invite Philip Pretorius. Um, and as we mentioned last week, we are starting with a, well, we started with a sermon series just on grace. And that asterisk on the screen is basically just to um, denote that all of us have an asterisk next to our names, that none of us are who we are by our own efforts and our own merit. Um, we are who we are by the grace of God. And tonight, so Phil, you can come up. So those of you who do not know Philip, he leads our citywide church. He was the, the main church planter, um, the main kunain, when they moved from Stellenbosch to Pretoria. And obviously, if you move from Stellenbosch to Pretoria, then you know God spoke, all right? Because normally people migrate that way. Um, so Phil, it really is an honor for us to have you with us tonight. And um, I'll speak on behalf of everyone. Our hearts are opened. Um, to just hear what God has placed on your heart and to impart that into our lives. So, over to you. <laughs> Thanks, Jaku. Wow, okay. Hello, everybody. I think that's a bit loud. You can, uh, Jaku's got a soft voice. I've got a little bit of a louder voice. Must I speak softer? It's so good to be with you tonight. And uh, I mean, I we're speaking about grace. <laughs> I phoned Jaku. I said, I need some grace. Because I went to go and just walk with my wife and and uh, was busy reloading some bullets there in her garage with my son. I looked at my son, what's the time? He said, it's four something, he's seven years old. It's four, so I said, four what? <laughs> and then I realized, oh man, I missed the time. But by God's grace, I, here I am. What an amazing topic, speaking about grace. Um, and grace is a, is a it's been one of those doctrines in the Word of God and one of those things that all throughout Christianity and throughout the church, grace has been a defining reason for change in people's lives and in movements' lives. But what you find many times when people don't understand grace, you actually don't understand God. And I'm going to try to help us understand tonight looking at grace because you get hyper grace. You know, when people say, do whatever, that's genade. You know, it's net genade, genade. So you can do whatever and you just make grace cheap. Or there's the other side where we don't understand grace and we become legalistic. And we don't realize that you and I are sitting here tonight and it's because of the work of God. Now I pray as I share with you tonight that a lot of these things will become clear to you, that you would be able to understand grace and that you had a different perspective of God tonight. I pray as I speak about grace that you're going to see God differently when you walk out of this place tonight. Right, so Jakob said, my name is Philip. For those of you, there's quite a few new faces. I'm married to Renee. Um, I've got two boys. One is seven years old and one is 14 years old. Um, and uh, yeah, Jess, and, uh, he's a boy's eye, and Lucas at Tegerpoort Primary School. And really privileged to be blessed with an amazing family. Let's look at tonight and um, really appreciate this congregation and what you guys are doing. All the leadership, the Yakuret and the elders, you guys are doing an amazing job. And it's good to be together as a family. Now look at grace and you understand, if you don't understand grace, you're going to battle with your life. Martin Luther, whom have you heard of Martin Luther? Not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, you know, the reformist. Okay, now Martin Luther, what was the tipping point, the radical change in his life? 
for the day he understood grace. He was a very legalistic guy. He was reading the Bible and all the things in the Bible, and he realized as a human being, he just always fell short of, can God use me? Am I worthy? Am I not worthy? Martin Luther will do extreme things. He will climb up the stairs of that one incredible high place till his knees bleeding, everything bleeding, to suffer himself to earn God's favor. He would do extreme things the whole time to punish his body, punish himself, because he always felt like he's not worthy. And the more he suffered, he thought he's going to be more worthy. And the more he suffered, the more he felt unworthy. Until a place where he got a revelation of grace and it radically transformed his life. And that's where the whole reformation started because of his discovery of grace. If you look at people's lives who battle with sin, you're going to keep on battling with sin until you discover what grace means. Now, I'm going to try to help us get a little bit of a glimpse into it. And I felt like while I was preparing, God led me in a very specific thing, specific way. So here's a real question, the right question for you to ask. What do you have today that is not by grace? Just think about it. Think about everything. Think about your wallet. Think about you know, the 50 bucks in your wallet. Think about your giftings. Think about your academic achievements. Think about your CV. What do you have today that is not by grace? It's important we think like that. That we ask those questions. Being born, being male, being female, being Afrikaans, being English, being Sperry, being Zulu, being, you know, Zambian. What is it? Whatever. What do you have today that is not by grace? What on your CV is really just you? Really, this is just me. On my CV, I achieved this. I am just good. What is it that you have? What have you attained? What have you achieved? What have you conquered? What have you, I mean, what success story? What sport? What, whatever do you have that is not by grace? See, because many people live like that. You just heard Philip speak about the condition of people in Utrecht. And I don't believe it's just Utrecht. I don't believe it's just Netherlands. I believe it's a condition across the world. Is a living by and living as if there's no grace. A lot of the stuff is full achieved it. And I hope tonight we're going to have light on it. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 is going to be my primary scripture to help us understand. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and that not from yourselves. It is a gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. So he says, it's by grace that you've been saved. By grace. By grace. So understand, we need to understand, what did I get by grace and what did I not get by grace? Okay, all of you, take a deep breath. Hold in your breath. Hold. Just hold it. Okay, don't breathe out. Don't breathe again. Just hold. Hold. Some swimmers in the place. <laughs> hold. See, you're not going to hold too long any longer. You're slowly going to start to let go. Now, some of you are really tough, but you're still going to give in. Okay? Why? Because you need your breath in your lungs. Otherwise, you'll die. You need breath. Now, did you choose to get breath? How, do you, how does your lungs just work? I mean, we're living in really, really uncertain times. And... You know, this morning I heard two of my friends, they got COVID. 
I mean, it's, it's, we're living in very uncertain times, but it's important you and I get this. Apart from grace, there would be no life. Apart from grace, you would not be able to breathe. You would not have lungs. You would not have, you'd not even have a body. You would not have the ability to breathe. Apart from grace, there would be no creation. There would be no earth. There would be no animals. There would be no plants. There would be no fish. There would be no birds. Apart from grace, there would be nothing. Apart from grace, there would be no Jesus for you. There would be no salvation. There would be no Bible. There would be no truth. There would be no people. There would be no nothing. There would be nothing except God because He's eternal God. Apart from grace, there is nothing. Doesn't matter if people believe in God or don't believe in God. Doesn't matter if people think they, they, they've achieved things. Apart from grace, we will all wither like grass and just disappear. All of you just smile. I know it's behind your mask, but show your teeth behind your mask. You would not be able to smile apart from grace. You would not be able to feel anything apart from grace. You would not be able to think apart from grace. You would not be able to breathe apart from grace. You see, I want you to understand, to get a better picture, grace is not just this spiritual insurance kind of thing that I buy when I give my life to Jesus, and when I mess up, I say grace. Grace is the full existence of you sitting here today, and the fact that you're sitting here, that's grace. The fact that you're breathing, that's grace. Because apart from God, there would be nothing. Now, there's two words that get confused, especially in Afrikaans. It's grace and mercy. Okay? Genade. Everybody in Afrikaans gebruiken alles van genade, but it's not. It's barmhartigheid en genade. Mercy is barmhartigheid, which means you're not getting what you deserve. Okay, that's when God is merciful. You don't get what you deserve, but grace is you get what you don't deserve. And I want you to listen carefully to the following statement. What we think we deserve from, uh, apart from God's grace. What you and I think we deserve apart from God's grace. I deserve this. I deserve to be in this whatever. I deserve something in my company. I deserve something from my wife. I'm deserving whatever you think you deserve apart from grace will determine the level of your independence, your arrogance, and your deception. The moment you and I think I am, or I have something apart of grace, apart from grace, I don't even have to pray. I don't have to ask. I can make it without God. How many people in the world today really, really, really believe they don't need God, but they're still alive? Why? I'm going to show you why they're still alive, but it doesn't change the definition of grace. Okay, to clarify what grace, I'm going to put it into three categories to explain it. Simplest is like this. The first grace we need to understand is common grace. Common grace means in Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, everything was void and formless. There was nothing, and out of nothing, God created everything. How many of you are in business? How many of you are creating things? There is no person, no business person on the face of the earth that creates out of nothing everything. You would be a billionaire if you do that. Out of nothing, something. 
You know, I've got a leather company. We take leather. I get leather somewhere. And then we take leather and we put it into, make it into bags. And from that, we t- always use something. God out of nothing made it everything. And then he came, he made the animals, the plants, everything. And the Bible says he made human beings and he blowed his breath into them and they become a living being. Even the very breath in your lungs came from God. Now, if you go further, it says in John, um, I mean, Romans 1 verse 20, for the invisible attributes, namely God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that that have been made so that we are without excuse. You look at Acts 14 verse 16 to 17. In the past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. It's not a just choice. He allowed that. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. The very fact that nations can eat something is God's grace. The very fact that anybody in the world produce any food, it's God's grace. It's not human beings that are so clever. It's not human beings that are so amazing. It's not human beings that can exist apart from God. Every single thing, they would not even be able to produce any fruit if God did not create fruit. See, what happens in Christianity and what happens many times in religion, we learn from religion that we have so many things, it's okay, and we kind of plug in things. Here's a little bit of a grace topic. Here's a little bit of a dirt, and a little bit of that. And, and at the end, we have this fruit-salad theology that causes us to live a compromised lifestyle because we don't understand who God is. We don't fully, completely surrender ourselves to this God that we are totally, totally dependent on. And even in the midst of ungodliness, guys, dear friends, there are so many scriptures I can read to you tonight where God over and over, over and over, over and over emphasizes this very point. And even in the midst of ungodliness, the fact that people are still breathing is God's grace. I'll give you a picture. You walk into this bar and it is, you, you can't even explain what happens in this bar and you say, this is really really ungodly. And you kind of walk in and see this, it's only by God's grace that these people are still alive, which is true because God could just wipe them. God said, you know, he had the ability to wipe the whole of Egypt, but he didn't because he wanted them to see his God and bow down before him. Now, if you think about this bar and this, this just this, you look at it and says, this is only God's grace that these guys still breathe with the stuff they're committing. Two years later, you walk into the same bar and you find these people are squeaky clean, living holy, zero sin. And you say to yourself, that's humanly impossible. That is not humanly possible. Both is grace. See, there's a common grace that is available to all mankind that you walk out here and you go down the street and it doesn't matter how ungodly they are, the fact that they can eat food, the fact that they can breathe, the fact that they walk, the fact that they can buy something, the fact that they can talk to people is all just the fact that God's grace makes people alive. It keeps people alive. The whole world depends on God's grace, His common grace that He bestows upon everybody. You and I don't deserve it. He just gives it. Because he's the creator. 
He tolerates a lot of the stuff. That's common grace. John 1 verse 3 says, All the things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 9, And the true light which gives light to everyone. Enlighten your brain. Anybody with the capacity to study anything must say, Thank you, Creator. Yes, oh, you got a brilliant mind. That's maybe just because God gave you something that He wants you to honor Him with. See, we, we segment our Christianity as like, oh, the church wants me to do something, give something. No, the church doesn't want you to give anything. We want you to understand Christianity. We want you to understand God and the totality of what Christianity really means. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. John 3 verse 27. You can't receive even one thing unless it's given to you from heaven. You and I are more dependent on God than what we realize. You and I are more in need of God than what we realize. When we wake up in the morning and you breathe, thank you, Jesus. I've got breath in my lungs. The fact that we sit here, the fact that we can hear God's voice, that's common grace. The second part of grace is a saving grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9 says, For by grace you've been saved. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill the promises as, as some count slowness, but He is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. God's desire is that all people with common grace that are alive, that have, can hear and that are there, that they would come to not just Use up common grace, but come to a saving grace. Come to an understanding of who God is and who's this creator and not just live for themselves, by themselves, all about self, but realize there is a creator that gave me something. And the greatest place of satisfaction, pleasure, fulfilling who you are, enjoying who you are, you know what, getting beyond the depression and all the urges in your soul, men, the things in your soul that drives you, those desires that pushes you, Ladies, those up instability in your soul and you kind of feel like, is there light at the end of the tunnel? The answer to that is discovering God. Not religion. It's getting to connect it with the one who made you. Getting right plugged into this awesome God. But pride cannot take you into his presence. Pride will separate you because pride says, I don't need him. You could say that fully. You could say that partially. But see, God says, for God so loved the world that He reached out to the world, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. That was not His heart. But in order that the world might be saved through Him, saving grace is God making the full required payment. You see, you and I are guilty. We are just living, and the fact that we breathe is common grace. But we all should have paid for our own sin. See, grace, saving grace is God took the required payment that's needed. If you own, you have a speeding ticket of 10,000 rand, and you need to go and pay the 10,000, you'll be in jail. Okay? But if you have that uh, massive ticket, and somebody else paid it for you, the required payment was paid, even if you didn't pay it. It's paid. They can't double charge you if somebody else paid it, because it's paid. You see, saving grace is God paid the full required payment on our behalf. 
Not only does God give us common grace, He comes to us and He gives us saving grace because He loves us so much and wants, I want with you a relationship. I want to walk. I am so intentional. I'm so loving you. I want you to know me. And He made a way for all of us. He paid the full required payment and He justified the full required righteous requirement that God the Father required for sin. Jesus paid in full. And He opened up a way so that you and I can know God, not just have religion, not just gathering on Sundays, but walk in a day-to-day, hour-and-hour, minute-by-minute relationship with the Creator of the universe. And that relationship needs humility. It needs a recognition of who this God is for it to really fall into place. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 says, this, this saying is trustworthy and deserve of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. See friends, 2 Corinthians 4 16 says, so we do not lose heart. Our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. See, the saving grace not only saves us when we get born again and we give our life to Jesus, but after you're born again, whom of you realize you still need some saving? <laughs> you're still, oh, okay, there's some stuff, old stuff still here. You know you're born again. You know you're a child of God, but there's areas of your life. See, your body, soul, and spirit, your spirit get 100% saved. That's when you get born again. But your soul, which is your will, your intellect, and your emotions is definitely not saved. Your will goes up and down. Your emotions go left and right. You see, your thinking, stinking thinking is still there. When God comes, He saves us being born again. The Bible says not just saves us, He continually saves us. He keeps on saving us. He keeps on forming us into the image of Christ till the full stature of Christ is built in you. The place of satisfaction in our lives, the place of absolute Christianity making sense is the more you and I become more like Jesus, the more life will start to explain and unfold. Will Suddenly the lights will go on in your life. Okay, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Our fight is not trying to see what we must do in Christianity. Our biggest wrestle is surrendering our pride and our independence and our deception, realizing that we need this God. Lord, I need you. It's not a commitment problem in the church. It's a deception problem. <laughs> It is a misunderstanding of how much do I need this God. You see, the saving grace keeps on saving us, which brings me to the last part of grace. Now that I'm saved and I know that He's God and I continue to allow Him to keep on saving me, change me, sanctify me, make me more like Him. God also empowers us. There's an empowering grace that God gives me and you the ability to get right what is humanly impossible. See, many people's definition of grace, many people's definition of grace is, um, I can do whatever and God will forgive me. If somebody comes to you and they give you a Maserati and you kind of like it, what, what's your name? You don't care so. Yeah. Ruan. Cornei. Somebody comes to you, gives you a Maserati. Okay, you don't pay for it, they give it to you. Will you be thankful? You obviously will enjoy it. You're going to look at this God, son. And then you drive it around the corner and you just go straight into another car, into a tree, smash up the whole thing. 
you're not going to feel the same as if you worked for 20 years and you paid for that thing. You see, what happens many times with grace, the fact that you got the Maserati for free, it's yours. But is the car cheap? No, the car's not cheap. You got it for free. Here's the problem with grace. Many people think because it's free, it's cheap. And therefore, I can do whatever with it. You know, whenever you sin, just sorry, God. I'm just going to do it next Saturday again. How is your social life? You see, grace does not help us to continue in sin. Any teaching that you get that says you continue in sin because there's grace is not biblical teaching. It's hyper grace. It's unbiblical. Because what they do is they take the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I mean, I study this at the moment. I mean, if you look at how Jesus was crucified and his hands were nailed and his feet were nailed right through the, the most insensitive place on your hand. And imagine I put a nail through your hand and I just turn it like that. How will you feel? Now, that's exactly what happened. Every time Jesus moved, you feel the pain every place where the nails were through. And the problem is why he had to move is because when you hang like that, you're, you can only hold with your shoulders, your body up for so long, then your shoulders start to give in, then you go, go down. And the moment you go down, you suffocate. And the moment you suffocate, you have to pull up again and you move until the place where your legs are so tired that you do give in and you don't die only of the pain, you die because you can't breathe. You suffocate. That's why the worst way of killing people was through crucifixion. How can we make that cheap? There's no way we can make that cheap. There was a price paid, not so that you be condemned, so that you will not be condemned, that you can come out of your humanity and your earthly thinking and independence into the grace of God that empowers me and you that we can live for something bigger than ourselves. That we can give our lives than more than just getting a paycheck and driving in some car and stay in some area and have some name on some logo that's yours. There's much more to life. He says there's empowering grace, but God gives more grace. So there's a common grace to everybody. They don't get more. There's common. You get food, you get breathe, and that's it. You're just alive. The moment you give your life to Jesus, you get saving grace. But the Bible says there is more grace. There's a journey you can walk into more grace. Let me explain to you what more grace is. A few years ago, I was ministering in Stellenbosch. Um, when I lived there, and I heard one night, one of my friends that I led to Christ called me, said, could you come to the res immediately? Arrived there, said, one of our friends had his 21st birthday tonight. And on the eighth floor, he fell through the window. He was drunk. He fell through the window from the eighth floor and was in one moment, he was dead. And here his eight friends sit in his room and they're crying and they're kind of, they're really in this desperate place. Because here's their 20, on his 21st birthday, he passed away. I went back that week ministering to these group of friends. And one of those meetings, I sat down and I said, whom of you can hear my voice? And they all said, I can hear your voice. I said, the fact that you can hear my voice means there's still grace available because he can no longer hear the voice. How do you respond when there's grace available? Or do you want to wait up to the right up to the end? See, friends, there's grace that calls us. Let me explain to you what it will look like if God says, I'm withdrawing my grace from you. You will live a life that could be absolutely sinful, 
but nobody around you will ever warn you again. Nobody. God will silence every voice around you that nobody will even give you a red light, a warning. They were almost encouraging you to keep on doing this because God is sending you to hell. If you battle with input, you battle with grace. If you want to change, then say, please, Lord, speak to me. Man, do you want God to withdraw His grace and never, ever warn you ever again? You see, the more we bat grace away, the more we, grace comes six, grace six, the more you bat grace away, the more you become more hardened in your heart to actually become more like Jesus. And then we become more self-centered and we start to sit on the throne. The problem we have in the world today is people do not know who God is. He's sitting on the throne, friends. He is in charge of your life. He's in charge of your marriage. He's in charge of your relationships. He determines how you date and how you don't date. He determines how we live our lives. Not because he has to. You don't have to. You can live by common grace and just live like that. But there is a saving grace available to you. There is a sanctifying grace available to you. There is more than that. There is a more grace. There is an empowering grace where God starts to empower you and me with a godliness, with a satisfaction, with the grace gifts in our lives where we can minister to people. We can walk out here and we can make a difference, not just be seized of diva, you know, just breathing in and out and kind of just have kids and then make money and then die. It's much more. There's something we can live for. You know, even in the midst of the epidemic we see in the world, we have a reason to be alive. We have a reason to go to these nations. We have a reason to wake up. There should be a reason in your soul why you do business more than just making money and trying to look better than your friend. Because that will be an endless competition because you're going to chase. I mean, even the richest guys in the world wants to chase each other still. What a childish game. I'm the richest in the world now, really. And then you die. Why not say, Lord, I've lived a life honoring you with everything I have in my soul. And may God give you grace. What means God gives you supernatural, God's ability at work in and through you to do things that you humanly cannot do. That's what grace is. You wake up in the morning, you find an area, you battle. Don't work harder. Get on your knees Humble yourself. Why? Because the Bible says in James, God resists the proud. He resists the proud. When we battle our lives, there's a resistance from God many times. Not because God doesn't want to help us, but God says, I want you to humble yourself. And what is the highest form of pride? It's not the way you talk and the way you walk. The highest form of pride is any thought in any opinion in any idea you have that is above the word of God, that's arrogant. I ask people, you know, are you in a church? No, I don't have to go to a church. Just that thought is an arrogant thought. I don't go to church because people ask me. I go to church because I belong to Jesus and the Bible says I'm part of a church. You see, if you don't align your life with the word of God, the highest form of pride is any opinion raised above the truth. What is then the humility? Submit yourself to the truth. Then the truth covers you. Humble yourself. And God says, he will humble, he'll give you grace. He resists the proud, but he gives grace. You know, when we battle with things in our lives, you can't overcome sin, friends. If we could do that, Jesus died in vain. 
You can't. I've got good news for you today. Christian, it's not difficult. It's impossible. We need Jesus. And Jesus comes and he gives us grace. He says, if you humble yourself, you battle in the area. Why don't you go on your knees and say, Lord, I'm wrong. Help me. You'll find every time you humble yourself sincerely, the Bible says he who repents, that, sorry, that sorrow produces godliness. Produces godliness. And it clears yourself in this matter, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. It clears yourself in this matter. See, grace gives us that superhuman muscle. It's not me. It brings me back to the main scripture we spoke about. So that no one should boast. What is there that you have that is not by grace? You get the picture? Thank you, Lord, for the breath of my lungs. You don't owe God 10%. You, God, you owe God your life. Nothing less. And there is no greater place of satisfaction than serving Jesus with your life. Now, guys, we all are humans. We get tired and we sometimes lose momentum. That's why God puts us in an amazing family to encourage one another. Tonight, I want you to walk out you encourage in your soul. There's a Jesus who loves you. There's a God who's given you more than common grace. He's given you saving grace. And apart from that, He gives you a grace that empowers you. That you can say, Lord, give me business ideas and He can do it. Lord, help me with breakthrough in this meeting. And yet, I remember one day in my business, I sat there and I had this, uh, it was right at the end of the month. And I said, Lord, we need a miracle, literally a miracle. I walked out of the office. I said, I get in my car. I get a phone call from this lady. She said, I was given your business card by one of the people who work for the minister. And they said, you have, I only have two choices between you and another company. And they chose you. I am not BE registered. And Sir Ramaphosa had a SADAC meeting and they ordered 80 laptop bags for the SADAC meeting that same day. I can tell you story upon story upon story. I said, Lord, I can't do this. Help me. Paul says, when I'm weak, he's strong. Paul doesn't say we live weak. Paul says, when I have the right theology, the right understanding, how dependent I am on him, then you will be strong. But people who think I'm okay apart from Christ is weak. Let's be humble people. Allow God into your life. Use practical moments in your life where you pray about things, you see things. Ask God. Humble yourself. Ask Him. Speak to Him. May God raise, bless your business. Why can God not do this? He's an almighty sovereign God that wants and will provide for His children and through the church that will be a blessing to the nations. But if lost people and nations are not a beneficiary, there's no need for you to be blessed. Because we are channels. We are not reservoirs. We are pipes not dams. We should be a channel that God can work through because His glory, not mine, is what the goal is. I believe many of you sitting here and it's amazing things God has placed in your heart. It's amazing dreams God's given you. Just get your thinking right so that God can use you and you'll open up the channels that God can do that and then stay there because we usually as human beings, we drift like Israel. And then God pulls us back. God has grace for you. That grace saves you. That grace keeps you alive. That grace empowers you.
Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for your people. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you know maybe from a religious background you've had this one-sided idea of grace. And tonight God is saying to you, no, it's everything. Why don't you just say, Lord, change my thinking. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you've almost justified your lifestyle, the way you lived, because there's grace. And tonight you realize you've started to make grace cheap. The fact that God gave you not a Maserati, He gave you a life. He gave you eternal life. It's not cheap, although it was free. He wants you to honor Him with your life. Why don't you tonight just say, Lord, forgive me. Some of you have opinions about things and from whatever it could be, from church to, if it's not biblical, why don't you say, God, please help me. Show me the Word of God. I submit myself to the Word of God. Humble yourself to the Word of God and you'll see a new dynamic, new dimension of grace unfolding on your life. If you're here tonight and you're not sure that your life is right with God, that you belong to Jesus, that you've given someone in your life, you've surrendered your life to the Lordship of Christ, and you're here tonight because someone invited you, but you say, Lord, I don't, I don't know you. I want to know you. If that is you tonight, don't you want to just raise your hand as an acknowledgement and humility and just say, Lord, help me. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to pray with you, and I want you to just to pray this prayer with me. If you raised your hand there, just pray with me. Pray this in your heart, Lord Jesus. I acknowledge tonight I'm nothing without you. And I give you everything tonight. I give you everything of my life. Everything belongs to you in any case. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And Lord, fill my life with you. I give you the right to change me, to make me more like you. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for the greatest miracle available to us is rebirth. When you take sinners and you make them your children, for that to happen in my brother's life right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, thank you for this. And then I want to end off just, you're sitting here tonight and you're in a really pressure place. It could be financially, it could be relationally, it could be health. I don't know what it is. But I want to pray for you tonight because God's empowering grace allows us to minister to people and allows God to heal people and see things change. If that is you, won't you just stand up as Lord, I need your grace tonight. I need breakthrough. If that is you, just stand up. I want to pray for you. Whatever it is, could be financially, could be relationally, whatever you know, it's pressing you. I want to pray for you. Just stand up where you are. There's something specific things that you know that is really on your mind. You go to bed with it. You go, I mean, it could be relational things. It could be emotional things. Don't you want to just raise your hands where you stand? Just raise your hands like a surrender. And would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I acknowledge tonight that you are in charge, that you are sovereign. 
And I surrender myself to you tonight. Forgive me for any independence or a wrong belief about you. And now I ask you, Jesus, would you have grace upon me? Mercy. Help me, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for every person standing, whatever need there is. I pray that we will hear from tonight the testimony of your breakthrough in their lives. Lord, as they stood up and humbled themselves, and Lord, I need you. Just that one step, Lord, I need you. We know you're willing to meet with us. And I pray for breakthrough, wherever breakthrough is needed, God. I thank you for healing. I thank you for miraculous, miraculous provision. In Jesus' name we pray this. And Lord, we thank you. We will hear testimony upon testimony of what you've done tonight as they walk out. And Lord, where you need to keep on changing us, Lord, we allow you to change us, to make us more like you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.